Y'all, if it were up to me, we would have uh, we would have stayed in that song about 20 more minutes. <laughs> I, you know, why do I get so passionate sometimes about about songs that we sing? And um, Cody, I got to be honest with you, you wrecked me when you walked into church this morning. So my cousin's here today. Uh, give it up for Cody and his wife and their kiddos. He like came up beside me and he, and he bumped me. And and dude, honestly, when when we were singing this song, man, I started singing it to myself. Because, because you know, I, I've shared some of my testimony in here, but, but you know like the crazy side of my life, and you know some stuff that God's brought me through. And, and, but this is what I know. Everyone has a story. What, what I know is that God's brought everyone through something, or he's bringing you through something. And, and so when we get into these songs, the reason I get so passionate about them is because I know God is moving in people's lives. Let me, let me hit a few housekeeping things going on today. Uh, the first thing that I have to mention is on March the 14th at Goodrip, directly after service, we have our group leader meeting. So if you're a group leader in the house, if you're in overflow and you're a group leader, maybe you're watching online, group leader, uh, we're, we're going to meet March 14th at Goodrip Coffee. Here's the deal. We talk about Monday through Saturday all the time. We couldn't do it without our group leaders. We, we couldn't do it without people opening up their homes. We couldn't do it without people leading those Bible studies or those book studies or, or leading our basketball groups or, or whatever the case may be. We couldn't do it without our group leaders. So March 14th, man, we just want to pour into you a little bit and, and give you some direction where we're going for 2021. Another, another update that I have to give. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm personally excited about this one. I mean, I love my group leaders too, but, but I'm personally excited about this one. Um, there have been some people that have really just stepped up to the plate when it comes to our middle school and our high school students. And we've got some things that are going to be coming down the pipeline in the next two to three weeks that we cannot wait to share with you guys. We're, we're lining some things up now. Uh, we have some stuff going on this next coming week. And, and on March 14th in the evening at uh, Justin and Brittany Rochelle's house, we're going to have an interest meeting. So if you have a youth that's in middle school or high school, if you know someone that's in middle school or high school, if you're a grandkid, and, or you're a grandparent, not grandkid, if you're a grandparent and you know your grandkids are in middle school or high school, if you've got a neighbor, I don't care who it is, bring them to that interest meeting. It's going to be exciting. I, I can't wait for that to to pop off. A lot of big announcements coming in the next two or three weeks. Make sure you guys are here. Uh, you don't want to hear it secondhand. So we're in our, we're in our freedom series. We're wrapping up that the last week of our freedom series. I'm, I'm excited about this week. Um, I'm also excited about next week. Uh, ne next week, we're going to be starting a new series called Fight, uh, and I'm pumped about that one. But, but this, this sermon really leads into the next series. So if you remember about the Israelites, we've kind of been following their journey. They, they were in captivity. They were slaves in Egypt. They, we went through the, the ten plagues. Now we've crossed the Red Sea. Pharaoh chased them down. We've crossed the Red Sea. And, and last week, or two weeks ago, we, we talked about singing your song and, and boasting in your weakness. Remember, if you saw the bench press that was up here a, a couple weeks ago, maybe you saw the video and Coach Jackson, who's in overflow right now, was repping out 300 pounds. And Mr. Rich was like a little jealous. He was like, I, I can do that. He's like, put 350 on it. I'll, I'll rep that out. But, but we talked about boasting in your weakness, that where you're weak, God is made strong. And then last week, we talked about bringing the cross into your bitterness. And now we find ourselves in Exodus chapter 17. So if you have your Bibles, Go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 17, starting in verse 8. And it reads like this. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. So, so the Israelites moved from Marah to Elam to Rephidim. 
And what I love about the Bible is the intentionality behind each name. Remember we talked last week about Mara. And Mara meant place of bitterness. And Rephidim means place of rest. So here the Israelites are. They're moving past their bitterness. They're moving past things that they were holding against God. And they come to their place of rest. But when they get to their place of rest, the enemy attacked. I want to remind somebody today that the devil will always attack you on your day of rest. The the devil will always attack you in your season of rest. And oftentimes what it looks like is he tries to attack you. He tries to attack you on your day off. You know what I'm talking about? You get that phone call and you see the name pop up from somebody at work or you recognize the number. (laughs) Sam's like preached to me one time. And and you see see that number and you know you shouldn't answer the phone because it's your Sabbath. You, you know you shouldn't answer the phone because it's your day of rest, but inevitably what happens? You hit the button. No, we don't have buttons anymore. You slide the button, and then you, and then you answer. My father-in-law still has a button. That's why I say that. But you answer, and that conversation leads into another conversation, and what happens is you get sucked out of your day of rest, and you find yourself in a moment you were never meant to be in. Or maybe it comes across like an email. If I can confess, this happens to me uh, too often. I have this problem. Um, maybe you have this problem too. You pull up your phone. You see all those little red bubbles. I can't stand the red bubbles. I can't stand the notifications. I can't, if, I, if I ever look at your phone and you have more than 100 emails on your phone, you got a problem. Some of y'all are like, I got 19,000. you got a problem. Like, del- delete the junk email off your phone. You don't, that gives me anxiety, right? So, so on my, even on my day of rest, I like delete the junk email, right? And, and I was doing that last week, and, and I came across an email, and I went, ah, I shouldn't answer that. Sh- shouldn't answer that. And one email, email led to the second. The second led to the third. Third led to the fourth. The fourth led to a phone call. Jenna and I are, I, yeah, I am. <laughs> Don't talk about that. Uh, she's, she knows the email that I'm talking about. But, but those emails led to the phone conversations, and, and I found myself being sucked out of my season of rest, be, be, being attacked in my Sabbath, supposed to be spending time with God and with family, and here I am answering emails and taking phone calls. Or maybe it's that one uncompleted project from the week before or that stressful meeting that you have coming up next week. But, but make no mistake about it. The enemy is a sorry piece of junk, and, and the dude never read the G- Geneva Convention. Like, there's no rules of warfare, right? Like, he's going to attack you when he wants to attack you, and the reality of it is the enemy will always attack. So it's not if the enemy's going to attack. It's when does the enemy attack? And then what is our response? What is our response? So let's take a look at Exodus chapter 17, picking up in verse 9. So the Amalekites are attacking, and Scripture reads like this. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some of the men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us tomorrow. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded. He fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, And her climbed to the top of the nearby hill. As long as Moses held the staff of God in his hands, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hands, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and her found a stone for him to sit on. They stood on each side of Moses holding his hands up. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in the battle. I want you to also turn to Psalms 144.1. Uh, 
And I want you to put a little asterisk there. Make sure you save it because I'm going to use it a little bit today, but then we're really going to hit it hard next week. Psalm chapter 144, verse 1 says this, Praise be to the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. See, in Exodus chapter 17, we have three specific responses to the enemy depending on the season that we find ourselves in. Sometimes, sometimes we're Moses. And when we're Moses, that season that we're in is often a season of prayer and intercession. So, Mr. Robert Yates, I told you, you're going to have to come up here today. I'm going to call a few people out. So, Robert, could you, everybody give it up for Robert. Could you come on up here today? Darius, could you hand me that staff that's over there? We're going to give you guys some visuals today. Are y'all liking the visuals? I like the visuals. It helps me preach. I don't care about y'all. So, Robert. We got, we got the staff, we got the staff of Moses. I figured we picked Robert for Moses because of his hair. Y'all like his, y'all like his long hair? Can you give us a shake? There you go, there you go. Robert, I need you to stand right here for me. Here, that's going to be yours. That's your staff of God. I imagine that Moses' staff looked nothing like that, but we got that from the Great Smoky Mountains. So that's going to be our, our staff. So let me, let me read verse 11 to you again. As long as Moses held the staff in his hands, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hands, the Amalekites gained the advantage. All right, so we're going to act like you're going to do overhead squats. So go ahead and get that overhead position, that CrossFit language. Hey, Coach Jake, who showed up late to church, you were here at 1030. He's in overflow. I'm talking to the camera right now, calling you out. You know church starts at 1015. Be here at 1015 next week, all right? I'm not going to embarrass you anymore. Don't be late next week. Overhead position. It's already heavy. I told him he was holding this for a long time. But as long as Moses held the staff over his head, the Israelites had the advantage. But as soon as the staff began to fall, the Amalekites had the advantage. So if the staff's up, the Israelites are winning. And what we have to know, the the one point that I'm preaching all the way through this message today is that there's power in your posture. That there's always power in your posture. Regardless, regardless of what's going on, there's always power in your posture. If your hands are lifted towards heaven, there's power in your posture. As soon as your hands begin to fall, the enemy will inevitably gain the advantage. Y'all pray for this boy as he stands there for a while like this. Because we want to win today, amen? Like We want to have the advantage. So, so let me ask you things like this. If you want something to shift in your life, then lift your hands. Change your posture. If you want things to shift in your life, then lift your voice. If you want things to shift in your life, then go to war. See, oftentimes we look at the posture of prayer as something that's submissive. But posture in prayer is always active. Prayer isn't a cop-out. Prayer is kicking the enemy in the neck. When we pray, we're not becoming weak. When we pray, we're saying, no, we're taking it to the front line. Prayer is often raw and rugged. Prayer is a conversation of every emotion with God. I've had had my fair share of emotions with God. Anybody else in the room? I'm not going to act like my prayers are like, oh, yes, Lord. Like King James it, right? Like I'm not, I'm not, that's not me. There's been times that I've been in my truck going down the road a lot faster than I probably should, squeezing the steering wheel and screaming to the top of my lungs at God. Can I get real with you? There's been times that I've been in my shower with my head against the shower, praying for people, wondering why God isn't coming through the situation like I want him to come through. There's been mornings that I've woken up and and I've started my prayer time just to be kind of mundane and 
not wanting to put anything behind it. I've gone through every single emotion that there is. And your boy's not talking 10 years ago. I'm talking last week. Right? Like, can I, can I be real with you today? Can we be real with, with one another? We go through emotions with God and prayers, a conversation full of every emotion. But it's inevitable. If you want to see things change in your life, then pray. Change your posture. If you want to see things change in your life, start the conversation with God. I often hear this too much. Pastor, it's a miracle that the church didn't burn down when I walked into the room. It's a miracle that the church didn't burn down when I, when I walked through the doors. There's no way that God would listen to me. That there's no way that God would ever respond to me if he knew my past. If he knew what I had been through, there's no way that God would ever respond to me. My question back to those individuals is, really? Do you think you're that big and bad? Do you think you've gone through so much? Do you feel like you're that far removed that the creator of the universe wouldn't step into the middle of your situation? Do you think that the creator of the universe is worried about your past? Do you think he's scared of your present situation? It's the God who writes futures. Do you think that he can't write one for you? Do you think you're that big and bad? Or do you feel like you're that far removed? I'm not asking you to have everything put together. I'm asking you to change your posture. Say, what if? What if I pray, could God respond? But what I love about Moses' relationship with God is how they talk to one another. Y'all remember the burning bush. Moses was kind of passive. He's like, nah, man, choose somebody else. And like, you're weird. You're talking through me, to me through a bush. Like, don't pick me. But then, then they build this relationship. And his language changes to something. This is like Zach Witt's translation. God, what the heck do you want me to do with these people? And when I first typed it, I didn't write heck. God, you got to come get your boys because they're whining and complaining. Remember, they were complaining and demanding. God, come get, come get the Israelites. They're whining and complaining. But the closer that you get to someone, the more you can communicate with them on raw emotional levels. And this is something that we can't rush past. Because right before the Amalekites attack, Moses is actually about to get stoned by the Israelites. They even say this in verse 7. The Israelites are questioning, is the Lord amongst us or not? I think that was the KJV translation. Is the Lord with us or not? God and Moses actually go at it. And the closer you get to someone, the more your emotions will show. Robert, are your shoulders... They're, they're burning a little bit, aren't they? A little bit. More than a little bit. One of, the, one of the stories that I kind of plugged into this sermon involved Robert. I've been texting him all week like, hey, you showing up Sunday? I need you. What am I doing? Not telling you. Get your shoulders loose. <laughs> like, but, but man, Robert, I, I used to say you're like a little brother to me, but dude's not so little. Like, you know, like, he's a large dude. He is taller than me. He's a large dude. Very strong. Shoulders still burning. Hands are asleep. <laughs> Robert and I have built a relationship over the last three, three and a half years. First CrossFit Open, I beat you in. You remember that? The only one, the only one, I've, ever, the only one I've ever beat him in. I was going to say that. I promise. I'm gonna... But about a year and a half ago, Robert 
was judging me in, a, in one of the CrossFit Open con- it's, a, it's an online competition that we do. And Robert was doing his very best to encourage me. And he was. He was encouraging me. The whole, whole time, he was encouraging me. And, and about two and a half, three minutes to go, he's telling me i got to pick up my pace if I don't want to get time. He's encouraging You can make it, Zach. You can make it. And there was one point during the workout, I'm like on my hands and knees. I'm like, Robert, shut up. I know. I'm trying the hardest I can. And like, he got the raw, unfiltered emotion from me. Heather, you got a little bit of that yesterday when I looked at you. I was like, dear God, please pick up the barbell. Like, but, but it was that raw, unfiltered emotion. But it was because of the relationship that we've built. There's power. There's power when you take a posture of prayer. And I want to remind somebody that God can take the good, the bad, and the ugly emotion that you might feel like you have. God can always take more than you can give. So what do we learn from Moses? The battle was won by starting with prayer. He lifted his hands. I even put get Robert to lift his hands if they've fallen in my notes. But you're going longer than I thought you would. He started the battle by lifting his hands. Number two, we learn from Moses, it's never a sign of weakness to allow others to lift your hands as well. Aaron and her were with him every step of the way. And Robert's like, dear God, where's Aaron and her right now? I wish they would come lift my hands. Number three, sometimes you have to call the greatness out in others. Moses not only called out Joshua in the moment, he was calling Joshua to who he would be in the future. And that's a whole different sermon in and of itself. Number two is this, sometimes you're Joshua. Sometimes you're the one fighting the battle. Mr. Rich, could you make your way up here for me? I feel like if I ever needed somebody to fight a battle for me, it'd be this guy because his arms are bigger than my thighs. So, so you're going to be Joshua. We've made Robert suffer. He's been holding his arms up. So for you to, to fight the battles for us, you're just going to go back and sit down in your chair. So the, battle, the battle's over that way. That's all I needed you for. But Joshua's, Joshua's fighting, Joshua's fighting the battle. Verse 9 says this, Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. We, we can't, read past, can't read past this verse too quickly. We have to read between the lines. Let me ask you these questions. Had Joshua ever led an army before up to this point? Absolutely not. Two chapters later, he was a slave, or earlier, he was a slave. Joshua's coming out of slavery and now he's being asked to be a commander? Joshua's coming out of slavery. He's never fought in a battle. Remember, the first army that he was met with was the Egyptian army chasing him down. And what did they do? God, you got to help us part the Red Sea. They didn't even fight. But let me ask you this question. Had the people ever fought in an army before? Negative. They had never fought in an army. And this is what some of us need to realize today. Sometimes you train for battle, and sometimes you train in battle. Sometimes you're training for the battle that's coming, but sometimes you're training while you're in the battle. Regardless, there is still power in your posture. The battle that you're in, God is training you in that season. I know I picked on Jake a little earlier. He's over in overflow. Jake, I needed you in here. Uh, but I'll answer the questions for you. But before CrossFit 926, I asked Jake earlier this week, I said, hey, have you, have you ever ran a gym before CrossFit 926? He said, no. I said, the beautiful thing is that you're learning as you're going and you're doing a pretty good job at it. 
I texted him. I said, Jake, what did you do before you ran CrossFit 926? And he sent me this picture. This joker, y'all can throw it up there. This joker looked goofy in his little hard hat. But, but Jake worked as an engineer and he was in construction. But what I love is how intentional Jake has been even in this season of learning how to open and own a gym. He says all the time that CrossFit 926 is a family, which it is. In fact, there's many other people in this room and over and overflow that you're, you're a part of the gym. But what I love is it's more than fitness. Jake, I'm talking to you now through a camera. You remember a couple weeks ago, remember when that guy walked in the room, didn't know where he was. He's like, ah, I think I want to check this gym out. And, and we started the class at 4.30 and at 5.30 you were still walking him around the gym and you were just sharing, you were sharing the story. And he left and you, you came over to me. You didn't ha- ask me how my workout was. You didn't ask me if I hit a PR in the lift. You didn't ask me if I needed some water or if I was tired. But your eyes, your eyes were wide. Your heart was, was beating a little faster. See, we preached a, a sermon not too long ago. And I asked the question, what song are you singing? What, what are you saying between your own two ears to yourself? And as Jake was walking around this gentleman around the gym, the guy started opening up to him a little bit. And this is going wrong in my life. This is, this is hard in my life. And Jake asked him the question, what, what song are you singing? It had nothing to do with fitness. But it had everything to do with stepping into someone's life and saying there's this guy named Jesus that died on the cross. And Jake, was, Jake began to open up to him a little bit about who, who the gym is, sure, but, but more than that, who, who God is. Even as he's learning to build a gym, he's keeping the main thing, the main thing, and his posture will always matter. See, see what I know is that there's power in your posture. And you're going to either lead people to Jesus or you're going to lead people away from Jesus. Regardless, regardless of your profession, regardless of, of what you're doing. And sometimes you're Aaron and her. Sometimes you lift up other people's arms. Michael, could you run down here real quick? Eric, could you run up here real quick? Eric, go ahead and grab that, that stool for me over there. When you lift the hands of others, you reap the blessing of victory. Robert's like, praise the Lord. Robert, go ahead and have a seat on that. Go ahead and have a seat on that stool. Move it up a little bit so Darius can still have some room to play. Yeah. We're still winning the battle. Robert's arms are still up. Michael and Eric, I want you to grab Robert's arms. I want you to take some pressure out, Robert. I want you to relax your shoulders a little bit. Because this is what Scripture says, verse 12. Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. And they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Church, your posture matters when you serve. Your your posture matters when you serve. Because sometimes when you serve, you provide relief for others. Verse 12, Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone 
for him to sit on. They, they provided relief. But then sometimes when you serve, you, you share the load. Because then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up, holding up his hands. I, 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 want you, I want you to recognize that the battle would never have been won without Aaron and her. Joshua could have never won the battle without Aaron and her. Sure, Moses was the one holding his arms up. But his posture mattered. His posture mattered. His posture mattered. And his posture mattered. See, see what I recognize is maybe, maybe you're Moses in this season. There's still power in your posture. Maybe you're Aaron and her. There's still power in your posture. Maybe you're Joshua and you're fighting the battle. There's still power in your posture. Now y'all don't get ahead of me now. Remember back to verse 7. Remember back to verse 7. Before the battle. I'm trying to, I got to slow myself down here. Remember back to verse 7. Before the battle, what was the Israelites' question? Before the battle, what was their question? Is the Lord with us or not? Is the Lord with us? See, some of us are still questioning God. We're still questioning, is God really on my side? Maybe you would recognize the power of God in your life if you changed your posture. Maybe you have to move past. Maybe you have to move past, is the Lord with me or not? If you want to see the power of God in your life, then change your posture. If you want to see the power of God move in your life, then some of you need to raise your hands. If you want to see the power of God move in your life, then some of you need to start helping others. Then some of you need to start lifting up other people's hands. If you want to see the power of God move in your life, then some of you need to start fighting battles. I don't know what season you're in, but some of you need to start moving. Some of you need to start standing. I wish someone would change their posture in this 